Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Jack. Jack O'Hara. Boy, you asked me some interesting questions, my man. It's a great question, Jack. Jack, hey, it's Josh Radder. Hey there, Jack O'Hara. It's Johnny Damon. Jack, so you had questions for me. Jack O'Hara? Absolutely. This message is for Jack O'Hara. Jack, how are you? Hey, Jack. Jack, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on, Jack? Uh, listen, man, you know, you, you, you asked me a couple questions. Broadcasting around the world, you're listening to The O Show. In the show and uh, doing your thing, I mean, you've got some pretty big name guests. I've seen your, your stuff, so congratulations on your success. Jack O'Hara. Much nicer guy than Conan O'Brien with much better interviewing skills. Don't forget to share this episode on your social media. Now, let's get to it. I'm so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's totally going to break up with you. She's definitely going to break up with me. Should have used TickPick. Wait, what'd you say? TickPick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, TickPick. I thought you said TickPick. No hidden fees. Download today. Thanks for having me. Are you in St. Louis or are you in New York City right now? I'm visiting. I'm visiting. Um, I met my parents. You can tell by the wallpaper. I actually grew up in this room. I was like, Holy a, shit. Yeah. So I'm, a little nostalgia right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I came back for March just to uh, see family and work the clubs here because they're open. That's good. I'm, I'm sure New York City's uh, basically shut down still. Yeah, it's supposed. To, it's opening back up in April. Last I heard. So, is that the plan to go back? Mm-hmm. Do you like it more out there? I mean, obviously the culture's got to be insanely different. I grew up right outside Manhattan, Portland, New Jersey. So, like, I know New York City can be hectic almost ninety nine percent of the time. I've actually never been to STL or Missouri in general. Okay. Yeah. What What are the differences? There's a lot of differences. I mean, you know, here it's like uh, St. Louis is like a weird mix of like rural and urban. Like it's like yeah. there's like a, there's like kind of like ghetto areas and like a farm like down the street. It's just there's there's inner city, there's suburbs, there, there's a little bit of everything. Um, the yeah, demographic is like half white, half black. So that's what I. And then up in Manhattan, it's it's every person, every type of person. So okay. you meet a lot. You meet oh. a lot. Yeah. You meet a lot of people. You kind of have to like grow as a comedian in that sense of like what to say, what not to say, what's going to connect with an audience. I feel like making that move to New York City, you kind of had to adapt to a different type of humor than it was, you know, yeah. out west. Yeah, they. Um, I was shocked at when I went up to New York City how how much how darker you can go and how like un PC you can go. Um, people. People were uptight in St. Louis when I left, but like a lot of people are compensating because we're in the Midwest. They feel like they need to be more uh, woke or whatever, and people get offended. But when I came back for for this month, it's been great. So I think the quarantines made everyone loosen up 
because people just want to have a good time and like there's actually real real problems in the world that everyone's now in the you know facing so getting upset about jokes isn't isn't a priority at this time hopefully <laughs> i mean that that's kind of a double-edged sword there you know like some people take offense to everything some people get it and understand that you know comedians aren't there to have a good time they're there to make you laugh uh, yeah. I mean, I guess just to get right into it, I don't want to take too much of your time, but like over these past 12 months or so, I can't believe it's already been a year since this all went down. But like, I've been trying to do your stuff, you know, creating stuff, writing stuff down. Did you actually have to do like Zoom shows and like Zoom competitions while everything was trying to get back to normal? So from Mar- last March through June, I was just quarantined uh, in a studio apartment in a bad relationship and uh i didn't I didn't get out much um i didn't really like i don't like zoom i've done a few zoom shows there this is fine but like doing stand-up comedy zoom it's just weird i mean it, it helps you to be like more conversational um which is always good but it's not as fun as being alive and then what i did is once like in the middle of june these guys started up this open mic in Washington Square Park. So every day it was like the same. It was like seven of us, then eight, then twelve, then all of a sudden there were thirty people, and we would come out every day and just try jokes. And it's all just comics and like homeless people come interrupting and trying to get the mic to ask for to sing for money and fucking crazy. And people living in the brownstones who are like offended at some stuff we're saying. So it was the whole thing. You froze. I think my connection's kind of shitty. Oh, it's all good. You, you okay. turned down for like two seconds there. Okay. It's authentic. Yeah. You know, like, you, you kind of go on that, you know, like having to deal with the different types of circumstances, trying to do shows, trying to do gigs, you know, like you just said, like out in the middle of nowhere where homeless people are trying to grab the mic and, you know, make it their own show. Like, that is definitely. It sucks, but at the same time, I feel like that's going to make you better. No matter what you're doing, like you're, you have to adapt to you know those strange circumstances. And I feel like it makes yeah. you better as a comedian because you're able to feed off of what's actually happening in front of you, and you're actually able to like go off from what's happening, you know, in current time, which I think is funny if you're able to pull it off. Yeah, um, I definitely agree there. Like looking at hardship as a way of improving. Mm-hmm. It- the like the glass half full perspective and i it's easy to be cynical uh negative like when you move to new york to do this and then things shut down but if you look at it the other way it's like oh this is making me better and maybe even it's 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 creating smaller scenes where you're getting to you're getting to know other comics even better because there's like this uh you're like struggling together you're suffering together I mean, when, when, when did you make the move out to New York City? Was it like literally just a few months before everything really went down? October 2019. Oh, wow. So you only had yeah. like a few months there. Exactly. Were, you know, things, you know, like up on the uprise, like when those first few months before everything happened, were you doing shows? Was it consistent work? Yeah. Um, you know, they say, I think Gary Goldman. I'll paraphrase, but I think he, you know, everyone loves him and he, we all love his advice. And he mentioned something about when you move to New York City, keep your head down for two years, was the quote. So that makes me feel like 
in the quarantine, maybe it's three years uh, before things really start happening. Um, I was getting shows. Like, the way it works in New York City is there's so many ways to, to like, um, to rise up. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm losing, I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble with the words right now. I'm a little spotty. Uh, I had a show last night. went really well, but didn't sleep much. But, um... <laughs> Like I, I had a couple auditions set up for clubs, which is a first step in the door. Um, and I, I was pretty optimistic. But then quarantine came, and those were scheduled for, like, last April. So, of course, I wasn't able to go through with them because of the quarantine. Um, but things were going good. And now, like, there's a lot of shows outside and things like that, and I find myself getting booked by other comics. Uh, so there's upward mobility. It's just slow. Um, I'm what's going on sure. I mean and to kind of go back to you know what we were talking about before kind of you know trying to adapt to a different culture you know like New York City almost everybody in the world like there's somebody from almost every state potentially almost every country almost in New York City that's how overpowered yeah. it is how yeah. different it is you know when it comes to you know a certain style of comedy because I know, I know, like, just listening to interviews that you've done in the past, you know, like, some of your stuff, you know, it gets over. Some of it people take offense to just because, like, you never really know what the right atmosphere is to say the right thing or the wrong thing. What have you um, seen from, you know, New York City in that sense of, you know, people either understanding what you're there to do or people under, or there, you know, in today's day and age, what happened in 2020, what's going on right now, um, you know, taking offense to everything in that sense. Yeah, I I had some people get mad at me um, right before I came back to St. Louis because I, I I was talking about how I'm donating to this child and jokes, but just because I was just because I look the way I look and I brought up Africa, there's people who were just like, you're not allowed to say that, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm talking about donating to a kid, and I'm just being ironic about how I'm a moron and I'm selfishly like doing it to feel good about myself. It is the, you know, was, I'm working on a bit, and God forbid I, I have the wrong look to talk about a subject, and not even in a way that's, that, like, disparaging to the, you know, people, man. It, it, it's, <laughs> it, comics are always cool about subject matter um because they're comics they understand you're trying to find find the funny in it uh but but people who aren't comedians just sometimes will hear a word and not even know the perspective right um this is my mom's computer that's why it says elaine uh they don't know the perspective you have but they hear one word and they you, you're not allowed to say that you don't that this category that can talk about that is like, gee, it, it never gets, I mean, it's always old, rather. It, it, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, in that sense, like, you are, you know, on stage doing your thing, and then you you know it right off the bat if it works or it doesn't work. You know, like, I'm sure, like, even, like, in the early stages of doing, you know, open mics or whether it's competitions, you're, you know, going through this and people are not reacting to your jokes the way that you wanted to, that, or, you know, they're not reacting the way that you wanted um, them to originally and then you get off stage afterwards you're like yeah you can't say that stuff it's almost kind of like like I, I worked my ass off on this set and like you're not appreciating it because you're you know 
kind of uptight about it. You know, you're taking offense to it, and I don't know why you're taking offense to it, but I feel like that's got to be frustrating. You remember, like, some of the first times that, uh, you know, you told a joke up on stage and you know right off the bat that it didn't work and it kind of, you know, upset the tone of your entire set in a sense? Yeah, there's there's um, always something to, like, learning how to do it. Mm -hmm. If you're... A lot of new comics will like try to talk about rape and horrible things, and but they haven't. They don't know how to like convey the funny parts, so they're just trying to be edgy. And I mean, those topics, like dark topics, to, I, I'm drawn to those because it's just fun to try to talk about something you're not supposed to. But <laughs> yeah, I've definitely been there. Like, uh, especially when I first started. Just I think being. If you go too dark or too blue, meaning like death, suicide, or going like yeah. gross bodily stuff, either direction, people just don't want to hear it. Um, unless you do it, or you're a, you can be a master. I mean, all the greats, right? They all talk about horrible things and make it work. So I think that just comes down to experience. Um, specific examples, I mean, every... Once a week, someone groans at something I say. Uh, so, I mean, that's at this point, I feel like I personally would just, you know, call them out on it, especially if like someone's shouting out in the crowd. I think that's uh, what Bill Burr probably does the best out of anybody. When he sees someone who's calling him out in the middle of his shows, he immediately fires back and makes them look like the asshole in front of 50,000 people wherever he's at in the arena. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's great. So who, you know, getting into comedy, you know, at a young age, who were some of your inspirations of wanting to do it? Because obviously, you know, your dad, pro wrestler, your brother, pro wrestler, everybody knows the Ortons from, you know, a wrestling standpoint. You're doing your own thing, uh, getting into comedy. Who were some of those inspirations early on? Early on, uh, Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. And just, like, random people. I would watch like Comedy Central at night and just see like different people, like Pablo Francisco, Jim Gaffigan, and I'd always enjoy it. But people I don't even know the names of, Greg Giraldo, I mean, great. When I first, when I when I was really starting comedy at 25 years old, I was really into Louis, CK, Anthony Jeselnik, who I'm still in. And I learned about Patrice O'Neill, and he's one of my favorites. Um, just anyone who gets up there in I noticed all the comic, comics I love have been doing it 20 to 30 years and they talk about horrible things and make them funny and they're just, they're great. So nothing original about who I, who I like, but uh, just the, the best out there. Oh my, I mean, you know, I mentioned Bill Burr earlier, obviously he kind of goes off the cusp. He's kind of, you know, controversial, maybe some of the things that he says, even though, again, I feel like it shouldn't be you're, at the end of the day, you're joking. Then you look at Jim Gaffigan, like you mentioned, like, Total, you know, like American dad-esque, you know, super clean-cut guy. You know, I mean, you don't really, you know, know what's going to inspire you, but like those different types of people with different backgrounds and different, you know, sets, it's very interesting to like take a piece there, take a piece there and see what you're able to mold. But you specifically enjoy, like you said, talking about things that you're not necessarily supposed to talk about. Yeah. What do you think, you know, molded that kind of personality for you and drive to want to do that? Being irreverent is fun. Um, yeah. I I was always like a class clown, but I got good grades, so I wasn't like the k 
kid that the teachers hated. They were just like, but like, I don't know. I've always, I've always been drawn to dark humor. My friends, more wrong it is, the funnier. Um, and then being drawn to that, now I'm in a risky position of finding myself uh, saying the wrong thing. I mean, I should, when you asked my favorite wrestler or my favorite comedians, I should have said like Stone Cold. <laughs> I, I when I do these, it's fun to like just talk without trying to be funny. So, but I, that was a missed opportunity. I regret it. I mean, you know, I think Dave Chappelle's probably the best at that. You know, just talking, having a good time, and it just works. You know, it's natural. Like, he, he doesn't have to try all that too much, which, again, starting out, I mean, that's got to be tough. You know, like, you yeah. experimented with a ton of things when you were first starting out. You know, again, like, knowing when jokes aren't going to work, knowing when things hit and to kind of bounce off of that. Did you have any early, not like mentors in that sense, but people that kind of had your back early on and kind of, you know, showed you the ropes early on? Um, you know, being in in st louis like a smaller market there was there weren't people who were at a level of someone you'd meet like in new york or something where they'd be able to take you under their wing no one really took me under their wing the the comics who were already doing it were nice but were nice to me um for the most part but there i mean there's greg warren who's a st louis guy and he's living here now and he he'd always like give advice on like how to do how to write and the importance of writing and different journaling techniques so he was he was great at that um but yeah just it was just it's just a very young scene all the the vets everyone from st louis moves so like as i started like there was just like a class of comics who just all moved to new york or whatever and it yeah i just i didn't really have any mentors honestly um off the top of my head Interesting. So, what do you think? other comics who were funny? But oh yeah, guys. oh yeah, I totally understand that. Like, what, what do you think? You know, inspired you in that sense to go to kind of piggyback on that question I asked before about being inspired about your style of comedy. Did, did you have yeah. any personal life experiences like later on that kind of shaped that? Like you said, like you weren't necessarily like the bad kid in school, but like, did you have any experiences that helped mold that personality? I mean, I think I would say just I've I've been I've had a not a hard life, oh, yeah. of course, but I had heart surgery, I've had hip surgery, I've um, heartbreak, of course, um, uh, anxiety, insecurity. Like I wrestled in high school, I wasn't very good. I get a lot of skin diseases from that. Just like I just had, I had like a good life. Because you think about people who have it real, um, so I don't want to say I've had a hard life, but I've had a lot of bull, like shitty things happen, right. and I think it's just made me sarcastic and kind of tolerate like things that are are, are super dark. It's like cathartic for me just to not give language that much power. Like that's how we. It's so important to convey information and learn, but also let a word hurt you. So I think I think it's interesting, like the two sides of of a language. You know, it, you're, you're not going to kill someone with it, but you can say a lot. And I just like the power it has. And I, and I sound all uh, hippie right now, but 
No, no, I totally understand. I'm kind of in the same boat when it comes to, I had a great upbringing, I feel like, but a lot of, you know, weird little shitty bullshit things happened that kind of like moved yeah. into being kind of a sarcastic kid. Cause like at the end of the day, you realize how much BS happens just cause that's the way of the world. And you, you kind of have to just, you know, you can't take it too seriously. And, and you develop that personality that some people just, don't get and and it's frustrating in a sense because again in today's day and age you have a world where you take offense to everything they have cancel culture all that bs where like you know some yes. people are able to step up and get through to it and some people you know get quote unquote canceled and it's tough so like yes. in, in, in that sense of the imagination when you're up there on stage and you're you're telling these jokes do you do you have any fear whatsoever of what people are going to think? Or is it just like, all right, let's let it rip. Who gives a shit? I, I used to, there's, it's, there, there's like this weird balancing act where I want to say things I want to say, but I do want the audience to have a good time. Like, I feel like it's, it's part of my responsibility. But like last night I, I did all these, I talked about, I mean, really, I made it like a goal to talk about horrible things and i didn't want to do because it's just i wanted to see what happened i think taking risks important because that's how you can grow so like last night i literally talked about um <laughs> suicide pedophilia bestiality all these things but like there's jokes and there's points and there's it's it's pretty clear that i'm 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 being i'm on the right side of things but, but i'm trying to find the line and it went well like and people who came to a comedy show to have a good time so they were cool I'm like sick and twisted like a some of the comics friends i have so but they, it was palatable to them and that was cool um i was a little worried because i'm going up there to close out a show and i don't want to bomb after because there were great comedians on the show uh and i didn't want to go up there after them and just look like an idiot look like an edgelord without jokes. So it's cool when people can see the punchline and understand what you're doing and they're they're having fun with it. I, I would never want to be, I don't think I can be canceled because I'm not, I don't have a career yet. Um, but, uh, but like what I say now, like I, I'm the type, I'm going to keep doing this. I've made my path. I'm 33 with no kids. I have to keep being a comedian. Like I'm not going to just give up. So 15 years down the road when all this pays off, I don't need some, like if I said, uh, or, like the F word to you, you know, not fuck, but the other, and then someone, oh, look, he said a homophobic slur jokingly, you know, it, it, 15 years ago. It's like, that shit, dude, they just got mad at John. I'm a big John, I'm a guitar player. I'm a big John Air fan. He, he played at the Grammys and people were like mad because 13 years ago, he made an off color joke in a Playboy magazine about how he's not attracted to, uh, um, black women and it reminded me of a joke that I wanted to try like if that was reversed like if a rapper this is me pitching a premise if like a, if like a black famous person said he wasn't addicted to white or he wasn't uh, attracted to white women I feel like we would be like oh awesome okay less competition good like there wouldn't we wouldn't be offended so it's just weird people just and I don't even I don't I think it's, it always seems like it's weird, guilty white people getting offended on behalf of other people. It's just weird to me. Um, but yeah, sorry, I just, like, I just thought of it.
made myself remember. I want to try. I need to try that. That's funny. Okay. okay. I mean, definitely, oh, my definitely go for it, man. You like the premise, Jack? Did you like that premise? Oh, it's a little. It's risky. It shouldn't be, risky, but it is. Oh yeah. I mean, I totally was picking up what you were throwing down in that sense because okay. I mean, you okay. that so often. I mean, that's a perfect example. You saw Kevin Hart just a few years ago get outlasted yeah. the Oscars or whatever other event he was supposed to host. They took him off because of something he said 12 years ago. You know, like, I, that's just the same yeah. thing to me. Like, if you say something that comes off as derogatory in today's day and age and it doesn't come off as respectful at all, like, I can understand that. But to go yeah. digging deep into someone's past when it's literally the most – you know, it, it's corruption in a sense because you're taking something completely out of context that yeah. happened for one second o over a decade ago and, and you're trashing the guy. I, I think that's very, you know, like I said, corrupt. It, it's kind of cynical and it's very um, easy to make fun of in that sense. So if you're able to spin it right, like I totally uh, get that. Like, are you constantly trying new stuff every night or do you have the same set? How, how does that go into most of your shows? It ebbs and flows. So when I'm in New York, I'll walk around with like a little pad and I'll write ideas and then I'll go see the same comedians I saw yesterday or earlier that day. And I'll try these new brand new ideas by riffing about the topic. Um, when I have a show, like when I'm doing 20, 30 minutes in like a comedy club, I go through all the, I take like a skeleton set of like, this all works. And then I pepper in the new stuff I want to try. So I'm, both to answer your question but yeah i'm it's a struggle to figure out what i should be doing like do i try to create this diamond of an act or do i <laughs> i say it as though that's possible right now <laughs> those to have this great act but you also want to always have new stuff so i'm i'm my it's as cheesy as it is i'm just always looking to improve oh, yeah. so um but but yeah i i definitely try to put together the best jokes that flow. And I always want to try something new. I think it's important to try something new every time you get on stage. And to answer your question, um, different headliners who came through that would, that would, I was thinking, um, in terms of like someone I, I, uh, like from this, but just in terms of like headliners who came through a lot of cool guys, um, who would give advice and things like that. Like Adam Ferrara, I just worked with him. He gave some, um, he actually said, make your goals to be the best comedian you can be. Never make a goal like, I want a special, because that's just out of your control sometimes. Like, or I want to be at this club or this network, you know? Oh, I mean, that goes back to, you know, like comparing yourself to who you were yesterday, who you were a week ago, as opposed to comparing yourself to someone who you see getting, you know, like a Netflix special, who, who who's yeah. already made it. Like, you made a great point before saying, like, I mean, who cares? Like, you're working on your stuff. When, when you make it 15, 20 years down the road, like, it's all going to be worth it. So, like, never giving up in, in, in that sense is something that you got to be inspired by. You know, you're working your, your ass off trying to accomplish what you're doing. You make the big move to New York, you know, last yeah. year to do what you want to do. Was that a plan for you or was it finally just time to, you know, move on and try something different making that move? I knew I always needed to move to New York from the beginning. I just never knew when. And I finally got a plan. I moved back into my parents from an apartment to save for a year. And then I had met uh, someone and she wanted to move too. So yeah. uh, it worked out for the move. Um, and yeah, 
I, I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I always knew I had to. And now that I have, I'm really grateful I'm up there. Now it's just about sticking it out. I mean, right now it's probably going to be the toughest it's going to be in the sense yeah. of, you know, getting gigs during this time. You know, once yeah. everything goes back, it's going to be tough in a completely different way, trying to get over with, you know, crowds of completely different cultures um, in the city. Where, where exactly did you move in this? It's going to be different in a completely different way, trying to get over with all of these different cultures, you know, people coming left, right, and different in New York City. Where exactly did you move? Um, Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, that's, that's an awesome place to be. You know, and again, kind of going back to the origins of this, you coming from, you know, you said you wrestled uh, early on, uh, weren't awesome at it and probably didn't have, you know, an extensive passion for it. Coming from, you know, a pro wrestling background family, what, when did you know that you wanted to pursue stand-up comedy or when did you realize that, you know, that was something that you were really passionate about, something that you knew you had to pursue when I was 24, 20, 23, I went to the Funny Bone and saw the competition, and I thought it was really cool. A year later, I went to the same competition, and I was like, I could do this. And then uh, six months later, I got hip surgery, and once I could walk again, I told myself I was going to try it. And the rest is just me not stopping. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that goes back to you, you know, just pursuing your dream full front. Who cares what happens, really? Like, if you just keep yeah. going, eventually you're going to get there. You know, I mean, I truly believe that. I, I know you probably believe that as well. And and was it, you know, supported on early on by everybody? Like, were there any naysayers within, you know, either the family or friends around you? Or was it always just like, yeah, man, I mean, you're always, you've always been a funny kid. Why not? Yeah, I, I've never, no one really ever gave an opinion. It was kind of just like, oh, he's doing that. And then then people came to see me eventually. And I would have good sets in front of people who knew me. And they'd go, oh, okay, you're not horrible. And then, yeah, no one really, people were generally pretty supportive. Was it, was your first ever, you know, comedy, you know, sketch or skit in front of just a few friends? Just be like, hey, can you tell me what, you know, what you feel about this or did you actually start, you know, uh, like you said, you know, doing gigs at, at the funny bone now. Like, really? Yeah. You start. Yeah. That's how you start open mic night. Yeah. And it was at the funny bone, which is where I was last night. So it's kind of cool. It's like the home club. Oh yeah. I mean, that's kind of a full circle thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's very um, nostalgic in the sense that you're able to, you know, again, go back and kind of regroup, re-reminisce with people that, um, you know, were your, in your life in the past and able to uh, do everything again. Because, you know, you talked about, you know, having to do, you know, a few Zoom shows here and there during COVID and everything. And it's just like a total bomb because it's not the same. You're not able to read people's body languages. You're not able to, you know, feel that energy from the crowd, whether it's good, bad or indifferent. And I, I, that's probably, like, really cool. Like, do you have another show tonight that you're doing? Um, yeah, just an open mic in, the, uh, in, um, in another club. It's a new club. But I'm going to go try that thing that I thought of talking to you because I think that's a funny premise. Did you write that down beforehand, or was that just off the top of your head? Off the top of my head, but that that wasn't very funny. It was the premise of it, you know? And then now I gotta find all the pieces.
so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's totally gonna break up with you. She's definitely gonna break up with me. Should've used tick pick. Wait, what'd you say? Tick pick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, tick pick. I thought you said tick pick. No hidden fees. Download today. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.